there are certain African cultures where um, particularly I would say like maybe in the West Africa Ghana Nigeria where parents parents expect that their children will work in professions that are traditional so you're gonna have you they assume that you're gonna be a doctor a lawyer engineer barrister whatever right so that is the era I grew up in it is it still prevails today but now there is this thing where everybody follows their passion and stuff like that so there are some people who are still forced to and you will find that a lot of them end up in the creative arena now art and stuff like that designers and stuff like that in some some of our cultures are not we're not recognized you know you have tailors and seamstresses but no designers per se now there are a lot of them right they've go we've gone to school for it and all that stuff but when you think of the 60s and the 70s and the 50s and stuff like that parents just wanted their children to go the right route go and get this big degree and come home and work in it right now i have very open minded parents um who just wanted us to be happy but my dad in particular even though he didn't say it he wanted his son to be somebody in working in a profession he never articulated that but that you know that would be the idea my dad's a barrister law he works in a very niche area of law very where very few people do work in or at least on the continent and mastered it you know he's like like one of a kind i don't think he expected any of us to to follow law he would have loved it but not really but the kind of mother i was i had we had was that she honed all the little talents and gifts she she saw in us so she made sure that she made us she embedded us in the in our passions from a very early age now very in my era auto mechanics mechanics were fitters basically they learned that our craft from another auto mechanic there wasn't really much schooling i'm sure we had technical colleges and schools at, at that time in Ghana but it would usually be somebody who would didn't go beyond maybe high school would be what we call a fitter and you know the establishments at those times apart from the large dealerships and stuff like that the fitters are like a side side road guy you know it's not really set up nicely and stuff like that. so that's the image you can imagine of a fitter of an auto mechanic at the time they you know the 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 sort of derogatory term they used to call them grease monkeys and stuff like that because but that is a different group of auto mechanics when you go well today it has changed and if you are an auto mechanic particularly let's say i can only speak for america it's a nice establishment everything is uh, aut- um automated it is clean the guys are clean you know it's just a whole different outfit anyway as my brother from my my brother's older brother's childhood my mom said when they first gave him his first tricycle he took it apart and my dad was infuriated but guess what my brother he was 3 or 4 at the time she said he put it back together again so right there she saw that he had a gift and then as i we grew up i realized he fixed everything 
He was always fiddling with something. He'll fix the blender, he'll fix an iron, he'll fix the toaster. But what we didn't realize was his passion was cars. He loved cars. He knew everything about them. And in those days, automatic cars were few and far between. And some of our family friends had them. And the thing was, if if an automatic car stalls, you don't uh, tow it or anything like that. You have somebody come and fix it or whatever. That was the myth around it. But I remember one of our friend's cars wouldn't start automatic and it sat in, we had a, like a roundabout in our house. And um, I remember my brother, when everybody wasn't around, my dad wasn't around in particular, or my mom, he would go, he would look at it. He eventually found out where the keys were. He would say he, and he would, I was the only one around him at the time. He would say, I can fix this car, I can make it move. And I, I wouldn't say anything. And eventually he did. And he told my mom, and she told her friend and they were happy, picked up the car. They didn't tell my dad that because my dad, you don't touch people's property. And he'll be, he'll be, even if it was fixed, he'll be angry that you even t- tampered with somebody's property. It's very particular about things like that. So you, as my brother was getting older, maybe 10, 11, I remember my mom, we went in Ghana, you have chauffeurs, gra- drivers. It is, it's part of the culture. It's not like a... You know, everybody has a driver, you know. And I remember her taking, during the holidays, summer holidays, she took my brother and us down to one of the deal, the largest dealership at the time in Ghana. And he was related to my dad. And she went there, and I believe she asked him if my brother could come and intern. This is like a 10-year-old. It's not. It wasn't done at the time. And especially if you grew up... You know, uh, what should I say? Privileged. Why are you sending this child to go and work and be a, like a, be a fitter or automatic mechanic? But she saw that gift and she didn't want him to lose it. So she asked the guy and he said yes. And she told the driver and asked. She said, no one must let your father know. He would have been furious, livid. Why is his son going to work as if, you know, who does that? You know, <laughs> he would have said he's going to send my mom back to Trinidad. I know he would have said that. Anyway, so he did that. And my brother, years later, told me, you know, the, the, the thing about that experience was great. He said, but I wasn't doing anything major. I started off sweeping the, the, the place. They didn't let me touch this. And I passed stuff. And he said, but the guys in there couldn't understand how. A child who was being dropped off, chauffeur-driven, dropped off, was coming to, to, to work with them. So absurd. It was like, he doesn't need to do this. Why is he even here? But my brother's a very beautiful soul, so he probably was very gentle, and he wasn't in your face. He was just polite, and you know, so he didn't upset the apple cart. And what happened was, through working there for a few hours during the summer, he also met a group of older guys who were very mechanically inclined like him, loved cars, loved to race, loved to, and, and they built a car. And he was part of that group. They were much older than him. They probably were in his 20s, they, in their 20s, and he was like a little teenager, 12 or 13. And, I, and my mom always said, the day that they finished building that car, they allowed him to drive it into the house for her to see that he had helped them. So then when it was time to go to college, my father found my brother 
a college in upstate New York to go and do mechanical engineering or electrical engineering, one of the two. And we all knew that my brother wasn't interested in any of that. He loved auto mechanics. And we had a relative who was also very auto mechanically inclined. And when he visited us from the States, he, he, he sort of uh, put together, got, subscribed my brother to um, this popular uh, auto mechanics, uh, what do you call it? Magazine. Um, I can't remember, but I remember. And so that was also kind of pushing my, pushing my brother's mind to the fact that this is what I love. Anyway, my father sent my brother upstate New York in the 70s, early 70s, go to school. And when my brother got there, he switched his major to auto mechanics. And when my father, <clears throat> excuse me, when my father found out, he stopped paying for everything. He did not send his son to be an auto mechanic. He sent his son to be an electrical or mechanical engineer. I don't know which one it was. But thank God, my brother was on the dean's list throughout his college years. So his tuition was paid and he lived off campus. And the interesting thing about that time in the States was that it was only older white men who pursued that kind of profession. I mean, went to school for it. So he was surrounded by a lot of older men who loved him. So he, 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 he lived off campus with these guys and they kind of looked after him and he was, you know, he, he, they liked him. And you can imagine the only black guy in his class or probably even in the school in that area and the only black, black African guy and he excelled at it. Now my brother had a presence of mind. So, you know, he went looking to be able to do jobs like after college, uh, you know, on the side because that was his passion. And so he did a lot of like, he, he worked for Dunlop tires. So he knows he, he knew everything about tires. And then eventually when he graduated, which he probably graduated, I think summa cum laude or something like that, he found a job. And I remember my mother and I were visiting the States at that time. And I actually went to the interview with my brother. I mean, I sat in the car, but he said he had an interview and we went to that place and I saw him in there and he must have told my mom as well. I know my mom, she's probably praying and burning candles so that he gets the job. And I think before we left, they called him to say they accepted him and he may have had rejections here and there, but this one he probably really wanted. And they were the largest and the oldest um, auto dealership in upstate New York. I do not know if it's still the same. So he worked for them. And now because my brother was really good, what they started doing was they would send him to all the schools for the top, uh, for all the luxury cars. So any new car that came in, they gave him one to drive and he drove from upstate New York to Massachusetts. Most of the schools, auto mechanic schools were there. And they would send, they were usually a weekend long or a week long. And they knew that he would come back with flying colors. So my brother had certificates upon certificates. And he, he, he has worked on almost, if not all the luxury cars at that time. And he was that good. And then on the weekends, he worked with a very successful 
West Indian auto mechanic who had his own establishment and he worked for him from the ground up and eventually the guy started letting him do most of the jobs and then eventually now all this time my dad is still upset typical Virgo <laughs> well don't be upset with me Virgos still annoyed that his son is an auto mechanic he you know all this stuff but the thing was when my my dad visited my parents visited we we, we actually went to see the guy where he worked part-time and the guy sang his praises now this guy had done very well lived in a very uh, one of those upmarket neighborhoods you know he had made it and even then with a guy telling him that it still didn't all go well with my dad his heir parents and auto mechanic no but think about it in that era even today which auto mechanic do you know went to prep school, boarding school, the best schools in this country, and then, you know, goes goes and gets a degree in auto mechanics. A lot of auto mechanics here do not go that far. Now they probably do certificate programs and stuff like that. But at that time, it was one in a million, especially African. So eventually in the 90s, late 90s, my brother decided he was coming back he was going to go where my parents were. Now my parents were living in Botswana. He was going to set up his own business. And my my father wasn't too keen on that. But his my brother's godfather was his best friend. And he told him, he said, Kofi, which is my father's name, you have to invest in this guy, your son. And you can invest in him and tell him that he, will pay, he needs to pay you back. But my father is not that kind of guy. He doesn't know how... He provides for you and that's it. You're not paying him back, you know. But so he set my brother up. And you know, my brother came at a time where people were not doing what he was. He was coming straight from the States with top-notch, from a top-notch establishment. And he reproduced that here in Botswana on a small scale. So you can imagine the jealousy when he arrived here, who was this black guy from America because now because he's come from America they assume he's American and he has all these automated and automated lift and he has all these tools and he's this and that but because my brother is a beautiful soul that came to a screeching halt they learned from him everybody started to to clean up their 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 their, their establishments and make them look his was spanking clean automated stuff he had all the tools and you know you have to keep buying tools from snap-on tools he found that snap-on was in south africa and there was a guy who would come across the border at the time and give him what he wanted and he started to make he made a name for himself and i remember i worked for him briefly before i went into formal employment and i remember we, his establishment was not far from the border and some guy came and he said he was looking for him. He had asked who was a good mechanic. And from the border, the South African border, they directed him to my brother. That's when I thought, wow, he really is good at what he, he does. And it became that. People knew him. And the population here is small. And it was when my father's friends started taking their cars, their wives, the people at his office, started taking, he saw his son's gift and what i remember is how every afternoon as soon as my dad got off work he went straight from his office to my my brother's workshop 
sat there for an hour or two and went home. And I, as I'm telling the story, I realized he did that. That was his way of showing his love and his respect, respectful, my, my brother's craft, even though he never said it. That was his, and he's, he, my father is the one who tells you, he will tell you he loves you, you know, he wants you to be happy, stuff like that. But it took him a while to really realize, you know what? Even if my, my, my son, heir apparent, as he called him, didn't do what I want, wanted him to do, he did what he was good at. And that is something they pushed in us. You do what you love. You do what serves you well. And that is what the moral of the story is. If you have a, a gift, a uh, a talent, a desire, a passion that has is different from everybody else. Because think about it. Everybody else who grew up with us went and did something else, but nobody was automatic. But every and in addition to that, my brother took part in the desert race with his truck, and then he built his own race car. So the race car experience he had in Ghana when he was 12. He built his own and he raced it in the desert race before he died in 2000. And so that is how passionate and skilled and gifted and how much drive and how he stood in his power. You know, everybody in, growing up in Ghana knew my dad. My brother was a fantastic driver, a fast driver. We were in so many races as kids. In my brother's car, we were always racing somebody. Somebody was always trying to beat my brother in his speed. And he was very skilled. He was not like a, uh, what you call it? He didn't take chances. It was calculated. So if you're racing with him, you better know what you're about. Because he's going to win that race, hook, crook, line, and sinker. And we were always in the car with him. You can imagine. So I say this to say, you have a gift, you have a talent, you have a desire, you have a passion that has, is different so far left from everyone around you do not let that be an obstacle if you know you're gifted you know that's your passion give it a shot you never know where to take you and therefore do not sleep on your life do not do not let obstacles sidetrack you my brother still went ahead and did what he wanted to do and my mother was 100% behind him all the time so I know that even if my dad cut him off my mom was sending him money somehow you know but I know my brother is the kind of person he's very industrious he used to and he learned how to landscape and all that so that he had pocket money from from coming from different areas you know he didn't have to depend on the now he wasn't he may have suffered a few months or so without that income but he said he walked he went door to door and then he asked people if he could uh, work on the in their gardens and stuff like that and that's where he lent another gift. He had a gift of landscaping. So he always lived in homes with beautiful gardens. And not even that, he would create little gazebos. He will have a little place where there's a fire pit. I mean, so I encourage you, whatever dream, passion you have tucked away under the bed, of, uh, collecting cupboard, bring it out now and let's run with it. Let's bring those dreams to life or go 
and get that degree or go and 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 take a program to hone those skills that you think you have that you lack the the foundation the time is now the time is now 